The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, verses 11 to 16, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man who is not a shepherd does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he works for money, he does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I also have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My boyhood friend was a huge fan of Michael Jordan, the basketball player, not the actor. And so the walls of my friend's bedroom were coated in Michael Jordan posters, including the iconic picture of Jordan at the height of his leap from the free throw line all the way to the basket in the 1989 slam dunk competition. In the background of that poster, there are thousands of people sitting in the stands. Their faces are sort of fuzzy, half in focus, half out of focus. But you can see they all have a pretty similar expression on their face. All of their eyebrows are up, all of their jaws are down. They actually look a lot like Jordan, except he also had his tongue hanging out. <laughs> Once when I was standing in his bedroom, I was looking at this poster, and I started looking at all of those fuzzy faces in the background. And I started to wonder about them. Things like, I wonder what that guy's name is. I wonder what she does for a living. That guy's pretty old, and it's been a few years. I wonder if he's still with us. And after watching me standing and staring at his poster like that for a few minutes, my friend asked me what in the world I was doing and I explained to him, and he said, you're weird. <laughs> and that may be true, but this is something I do all the time. Even when I'm watching a TV show, my eye is always draw drawn to the extras. I'm always looking at the people in the background, the people that you're not supposed to be paying attention to. And if you are, they're not doing a very good job at being an expert, at being an extra. And I just, I wonder about them, like, what was the path of her life that got her to be in the background of a bar scene of this show? Is she like the friend of a director or a friend of one of the stars of the show? I wonder what that guy's name is. He's not even going to be listed in the credits. I wonder if his acting career ever took off. Now my friend called me weird for doing this. And I forgave him for that because it is strange. It's a strange thing to do to look at the people in the background, the faces in the crowd, the extras on the TV show, it, it's much more natural to just ignore them, to just look past them and pretend that they're not even there. That's the easy way to treat them. And it's also easy to feel that way, unknown and unknowable. You go through your day walking past all kinds of people who they don't know your name, they don't know where you're from, they don't know what you're like, and they're not very interested either. It is easy to feel that way, especially as
People are spending less and less time in each other's physical company, disengaging more and more from in-person activities. It is easy to feel just anonymous, nameless, unknown. It is easy to feel that way. And for one of Jesus' people, for a Christian, it is also wrong. It is always wrong to feel that way. Now, whoever translated the Gospel of John for the Evangelical Heritage Version, which is the translation that we use at Trinity, he has a very bad habit, I think, of putting parentheses around statements that are not really parenthetical. If you'll remember, he did it on Easter morning, the account of Jesus' resurrection, and today he is up to it again. If you look at the back half of verse 14 and the beginning of verse 15, where our Savior Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Now please ignore those ill-advised parentheses, because what Jesus says there is not a side note at all. Jesus and the Father know each other with absolute perfection in every detail. From all eternity, the Father and the Son are separate persons. They are separate and distinct, but at the same time, they are also the same one unified God. Now, the Bible calls Jesus the only begotten Son of the Father, eternally begotten Son of the Father. And that is a biblical term that is very hard to pin down and define precisely. We know that the Heavenly Father did not create or procreate His Son. So they stand in this special Father-Son relationship from all eternity, separate but the same. Now, human fathers and sons, if their relationship is right and if it is tight, they know each other very well, but they can never know each other perfectly exactly because they're just sinful human fathers and sons. But the Divine Father and the Divine Son from all eternity stand in that special relationship and know each other perfectly in every detail. And here is why that statement then is not really parenthetical at all. Because in the phrase just before that statement, Jesus says... He knows you and me just as well as he knows the Father, and the Father knows him. And that means Jesus also knows you and me perfectly in every detail. Two times in these verses, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And a good shepherd must know his sheep in detail and individually. Sheep must be known well by their good shepherd just in order to survive. A good shepherd must be able to look at a sheep and know everything about it because sheep don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to water themselves. They have no natural defenses against their predators and they easily wander. A shepherd has to be able to look at each individual sheep and know that's the one that always goes rolling around in the dirt. And if I weren't here to clean out its nostrils, it would suffocate to death. That one's so silly that it actually goes wandering toward its predators. That one is so skittish that the sound of running water makes it run away. 
which means if I weren't here to coax it toward the water, it would actually die of thirst running away from water. That one is so nearsighted that if I weren't here to stop it, it would go wandering right off the edge of a cliff. Jesus is the shepherd who knows his sheep like that. Why? Why does Jesus know his sheep perfectly? Well, the easy answer that you can always give for why Jesus knows something is he's God. So he knows everything and he knows it perfectly. But there is a much more comforting answer to the question, why does Jesus know his sheep so well? And Jesus implies it when he speaks negatively about hired hands. Guys who are just hired and work for the money to watch over sheep. He says, the hired man who is not a shepherd does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he works for money, he does not care about the sheep. So as Jesus contrasts himself with these hired watchers, he says they don't care about the sheep because the sheep do not belong to them. They're just in it for the pay. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he does care about his sheep. And why does he care about them? They belong to him because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus saw us gripped in the jaws of the wolf, our enemy, who was ready to carry us off to his lair and devour us forever. Jesus saw us, and he sprang into action to rescue us. The good shepherd put the welfare of his sheep ahead of his own life and ahead of his own safety and laid down his life to rescue them from their predator and laid down is such a wonderful and beautiful word for Jesus to do because nobody forced the good shepherd to do this. Nobody compelled Jesus to lay down his life to rescue us from the wolf. He did it because he wanted to. And why did Jesus want to do this for us? The answer again comes when you contrast Jesus with what he says about those hired watchers. He says he does not care about the sheep. But the good shepherd does care about us. He loves us with all of his heart, and it is the eternal love that Jesus has for us in his heart that made him want to rescue us from our enemy and from his destruction, and not just from Satan and from destruction and hell, but from all of our sinful wandering from Jesus' voice in his word, all of our silly neglect of the spiritual food and drink that Jesus offers us in his word and sacrament. He did it to save us from all the sinful dirt that we roll around in. Jesus cared about us enough to lay down his life and rescue his sheep. He also cared about us enough to make us sheep in his pen. Jesus says, I also have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life for the whole world. And everyone who believes that becomes one of Jesus' sheep. By faith in Jesus, you become one of his flock. But why have you believed and become a sheep in Jesus' flock? 
Well, I don't know everything about sheep, but no sheep in the world ever decided to come under the care of its shepherd or chose to be part of the shepherd's flock. Sheep are, in Jesus' words, brought. They are brought into the care of the shepherd by him. And please realize, this is you Jesus is talking about here. When he talks about this sheep pen, it's kind of open for debate. Is Jesus talking about just the disciples who are there with him in the upper room, or is he talking about the broader, the whole nation of Israel that he had come to? But either way, you and I were not part of this, the original sheep pen. But Jesus knew us from all eternity. He knew us, and he chose us to be his sheep. And by the Spirit's gift of faith, we have been brought into Jesus' pen. We are part of the flock of the Holy Christian Church. All believers of all time, everywhere. That is Jesus' sheep pen, his flock. And just think about all the different sizes and shapes and colors and personality of all the different sheep that are in Jesus' pen. The Holy Christian Church is an uncountable flock of very different people from all over the world throughout history, including Jesus' flock that has already reached the kingdom of heaven. But because Jesus is the divine good shepherd, he can take all of these very different sheep and bring them all together into one pen and make them one. And that's what Jesus' church is. Jesus knows us. He knows that we were dead meat without his sacrifice to rescue us from our prowling predator, from our sin. And Jesus knew us and made us sheep in his pen, part of his flock, his holy Christian church. So we believe Jesus when he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. When I find myself thinking that I'm just a face in the crowd, I'm just an extra in the TV show of life, I'm a nobody, I think sometimes we mistake that kind of thinking for humility. That's not humility. That's actually quite narcissistic and it's annoying to the people around us. But not only that, it's, it is sinfully wrong. Because what am I saying about my Jesus when I mope around that way? What am I saying about the one to whom I belong? His work to make me part of his flock, his care for me, his knowledge of me. Jesus knows you just as he knows the Father. He knows you perfectly. That means Jesus knows and understands our sinfulness even better than we do, including those sinfully wrong thoughts that we are nobodies. Jesus understands our sin even better than we do. And you may want to interrupt there and say, well, hold on now. It wasn't a half hour ago that I just stood up in this place and I admitted that I'm sinful and I asked God for forgiveness. Well, yes, we know that we are sinful, but could we ever really understand the full depth of our sin? For example, could I ever really know how many times I have missed an opportunity to speak a kind word to someone or do something to help them just because I was so busy, I was so wrapped up in my own day that I just missed it? I'd never know. And this, by the way, is why it's a good idea when we confess our sins, at least occasionally, to confess along with the psalmist your hidden faults because we could never fully understand the depth of our sin, but Jesus does. 
Jesus also understands, even better than we do, that he has done everything necessary to save us from that sin and from the prowling predator that because of it had us in his grasp. The same St. John who wrote this gospel writes in his first letter about our hearts condemning us. These are times when Christians doubt whether they really are sheep in Jesus' flock, whether they really do believe. And, and Christians do that, especially after they fall into some particularly dark sin or they return to some sin that they promised themselves they would never go back to again. And then they do. They start to doubt whether they are really forgiven and part of Jesus' flock. Jesus knows better than we do the eternal and omnipotent power of the blood he shed when he laid down his life for his sheep. Even when we doubt it, Jesus knows for a fact that we are fully forgiven and in his flock. There is something else your good shepherd knows about you that you do not. Your future. He knows what is over that hill ahead of you that you can't see. He knows all of the challenges that you're going to come to in the future, and he knows how he's going to make them all work out, even if right now you can't possibly figure how that could ever be. He knows all of the rough patches that are ahead of you and how he's going to get, them, get you through them so that in the end you walk even closer to his side, faster and firmer to the green pastures of heaven. That is precisely because our good shepherd knows us perfectly that he calls us to know him perfectly. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. On a typical day, I hear a lot of different voices. You probably do too. You hear the voices of people you love, the checker at the grocery store, your boss, news anchor on TV, political voices, cultural voices. Some of these voices are kind and nice. Others are just sort of there, kind of noise pollution. Other voices we hear are trying to lead us away from our good shepherd, and they speak on behalf of the predator. And the voices in that last category are especially dangerous and deadly, especially when they come dressed in sheep's clothing. But there is only one voice you hear, and only one voice you ever will hear that is perfect. And that is the voice of your good shepherd. It is the voice of the one who tells you that he cares for you above all else. That he has made you a sheep in the pen of his church, and that his knowledge of you is perfect. When you listen to the voice of your good shepherd, he tells you other things, too. He tells you what he wants you to believe, how he wants you to think, what he wants you to say, what he wants you to do, how to live your life. And why does Jesus speak to us and tell us these things? Because they're all the same things that Jesus thinks. They're all the way that Jesus speaks, the things that we see Jesus do. When we listen to that voice of our Savior, then we are walking right at his side, right at his hip, all the way to the pastures of heaven. There is no better place to be than at the side of your good shepherd listening to his voice because it is the voice that tells you 
that he cares about you above all else and laid down his life for you. It is the voice that is leading you to the pastures of heaven. Listen to the voice of your shepherd, and you will know more and more perfectly the one who knows you perfectly. Amen.